Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Paz I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining, Jeremy Dunn, and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Paz I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host this evening, Jack McEnroe. How are you, Jack, this lovely Mother's Day? (laughs) I'm good. Um, um, My mom is good. Everything's good on Mother's Day. How are you? Good, good. We went to my sister's, you know, saw my mom, and it was cool. Had a nice dinner. Good. Good. Good to get out. (laughs) Yeah, it is good to get out. So So what's new with you? Um, I've been, I did that event in D.C. for the Whitman Walker Clinic. It went really well. It was fun. I was kind of nervous because I had to emcee the whole thing, so I had to be on stage for, like, basically on and off for an hour and a half. I had to do a live auction, and, um, it was kind of uncharted territories, but it went really well. It was really fun. They raised a ton of money, so that was great. Um, what else? I'm just training a lot in swimming. I'm going to nationals in Atlanta in two weeks, so I'm training for that. Um, yeah, just good stuff. I'm doing a lot of pride events. I'm actually, um, for the eighth walk coming up in New York, which is next Sunday, I'm, um, I'm doing this thing for Logo and Merck where I'm interviewing people doing the walk and why they're walking and, you know, what their ties to HIV and AIDS are and why they think it's important to do the walk and that kind of thing. So more details on that coming up, but, um, yeah, all good. What's going on with you? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> No, everything's good. Um, you know, I went to the doctors recently, and you know, my I'm still undetectable. Numbers are good. I don't have TB, so I'm out of the woods. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, they do the little shot where they put the bubble under your arm, under your skin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went through that, but other than that, you know, everything is pretty much the same. I've been kind of relaxing a, a little bit <laughs> lately, more. I think it's really important. I have to take some downtime every once in a while because I rack my brain on the computer too. Long. I know, I know. It's easy to do. It's very easy to do. Yeah, it is. So I'm excited that um that uh Angina's gonna be back on uh television. Oh, um, idea. Did you see that? Yeah, well I didn't I haven't seen that but she told me about it. Um because it's yeah, it's called Drag U, RuPaul's Drag U and it's short for Drag University and RuPaul's like the principal and Lady Bunny is the dean of students, and then they bring on, this is what Anjana told me, they bring on three drag queens per episode, and they make over three real women. So I actually thought when I heard the buzz about it that it was making over three, like, guys into drag queens. But it's actually not. Right. It's, a, it's a real makeover show. So um, we'll see how that goes. I actually was more excited about the first concept. <laughs> About making little baby drag queens into, like, full-fledged drag queens. But um, we'll see how that works. But that's funny because, you know what, I took it as it was kind of like charm school for drag queens. That's what I took it as. Right. 
You know, they're, I mean, making that's over, like, they're making over real women. So. Oh wow, that should um, be interesting. Yeah, which I know there's that transsexual show, Transform Me, where they do that on VH1 or MTV or mm-hmm. one of those channels where they do the same thing, and it kind of isn't very good, I have to be honest. Like, I really wanted to like it because I want, you know, props for the trannies, but right. um, it's just kind of a boring makeover show, and it was actually sort of weird because I'd heard that they um, didn't tell the potential candidates that their makeover experts were transsexual women, so... They they were kind of like deer at headlights, and it was kind of obvious and uncomfortable and weird. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I know uh, I'm sure it's World of Wonder, who's the same production company that does RuPaul's Drag Race, and they're really really great. So I think it'll be a fun show, whether or not it kind of catches on. Like RuPaul's Drag Race remains to be seen. Right, right. My mom actually watches that show that you just were talking about, and I was like, really, mom? Kudos for you. Transform me. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. (laughs) So that's interesting. Um, Other than that, uh, I just want to tell people to go check out the HIV and me video segments that are at Logotv.com. You know, I participated in one, and we spoke about Angina, who actually is basically the host of the series. So I just always like to send people over there to check that out. But tonight we have a very interesting guest on. Um, Her name is Lisa Britt. And she is a Atlanta-based radio show host, activist, and motivational speaker. Um, and she has her own radio show called The Butterfly Girls, which is on every Tuesday at 3.30 Eastern Time. Um, on You can listen to it live at www.love860.com. So she's going to come on and share her story and talk about her radio show. And I know she was talking about trying to get you on, and I kind of dropped the, the ball on that, so that's my bad. Um, okay, we'll, but, make, we'll make that happen at some point. Yeah, right. So let's um, bring Lisa. Welcome, Lisa, to the show. Lisa, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm so excited to be on the show. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is pretty cool. I like listening to y'all. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's, well, it's good to have a person that's familiar with, like, this format and doing radio because sometimes you get people on and they're, like, um, they get all nervous and they don't know what to say, and um, it's funny. So we're we're confident that you're very comfortable on radio. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny because either some people are nervous and they talk too much <laughs> or some people are nervous and they don't talk enough. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Whatever questions you have for me. There you go. There you go. So, so Lisa, how did you find me? Because you reached um, out to me first, and yeah. Um, well, actually, well, looking on Facebook, which you know everybody got Facebook now. Um, right. I was just going through the different organization who deals with HIV and AIDS, and when I came across your picture, your name. And then the name of the organization, I, you know, I was pronouncing it as Posio. <laughs> I thought it was Posio. <laughs> but, I, but then after I actually talked to you, you was like, pause, I am. I was like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just mainly, you know, interested in different organizations who was, you know, helping their community in reference to HIV and AIDS. And you just, you just stood out. So that's why I just asked for your friend request. That's how I found out about it. Well, I'm glad you did. Thank you. I'm curious to know, before we kind of get into your personal story, just what what's Butterfly Girls mean? Like, where's that from, and how did you, what's that name mean? Okay. Well, 
the Butterfly Girls is a name that God gave me a vision to have years ago. Um, it's basically about transforming lives from the inside and out, you know, whether you've been infected or affected of HIV and AIDS. And my mission is to enhance the lives of adults and children who have been infected and affected of HIV and AIDS, you know, through education, motivation, and sharing my personal testimony. Well, that's cool. So, like, like, got it. So, good metaphor, the butterfly transforms, you're helping to transform lives, so it makes sense. Right. And basically, like, when I, when I first thought about the Butterfly Girls, it was, first I had an idea of just doing a women's support group, but then I realized, okay, it's not just women that's infected or affected, it's men also. But I didn't want to get rid of the name Butterfly Girl, and I just kept it, you know, kept it that way. And then February 8th, I had resigned from my job, and the same day I resigned from my job, I had got a phone call asking would I like to have my own radio show, and I was like, cool. And then I just put two and two together. I'm like, okay, well, I can call my radio show Butterfly Girl, um, HIV and AIDS and Relationship. So that's where that comes from. Well, that's why I think it's really great that, that you made that point because it's usually the reverse. We're always, you know, talking about gay men and gay men, and, and it's certain, you know, it's so true. It's so great to have a guest like you on the show who is re- representing the diversity of what, uh, you know, and shows, proves the point that HIV affects everyone and every race right. and every gender. And it's not right. just about, you know, our little special world of what we think right. HIV is. It's, it's everyone. So it's great right, to have you exactly. on. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, you're funny. Um, I, I'm laughing about what you told me earlier, Lisa, about Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No shame in my name. You want me to say it? <laughs> go ahead, tell him. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, Jesus, please forgive me. Okay. All right. Like I was saying, I was scrolling through, the, you know, the, the Facebook and looking for people, you know, HIV and AIDS. But then when when um, you Robert you told me about you know your co-host Jack and I was and you you asked me have I seen the show um, Project One and I'm like no I really don't look at it. I've heard of it, but I really don't look at it and you told me about him being your co-host so I just looked up his name on Facebook and when I seen those eyes the chest <laughs> the stomach I was like damn this white boy is Oh, oh, Lord, I mean, who? okay, excuse me, back to reality. <laughs> no, I you. mean, for real, you are so handsome. You are very, very handsome. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that because today I was feeling old because I just had, on April 29th, had my 41st birthday, and I was like, oh, oh real? I, I'm officially in my 40s. So, well, hey, think, join the join the club. I'm 41. I'll be 42 in July. So <laughs> right. So hey, we're the same age. So yeah. Um, but I appreciate that. Thank you very much. That's sweet. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I hope I didn't offend you, but yeah, you you. Look oh, not at all, cute. please, not at all. <laughs> He's probably blushing <laughs> over there. I know he is. He's turning Santa Claus color. <laughs> you know how Facebook is. People are very bold on Facebook. So people write. Yeah me all kinds of messages so the fact that you you know give me a compliment in person that's great because people okay. i've heard i've heard it all 
I bet you have. Okay. <laughs> so, Lisa, tell us a little bit about, take us back to when you were diagnosed. Like, tell us about how old you are and, and how that process was for you. Okay. Um, well, it was back in 2003. I was diagnosed with HIV. And I was dating this guy, and I knew he was the type of person that was in and out of jail before I met him. But at the time, you know, it didn't bother me. So I was introduced to him by one of my um, girlfriends, and we started dating, and then in the middle of the dating, he went to jail. And when he went to jail, you know, usually anybody who goes to jail and want to make a phone call, they have to call from a pay phone, and they have to call collect. Well, this particular time, he called me from the office phone in the jail, and I kind of thought that was unusual. So I basically asked him, okay, why are you calling me from my office phone? And he said he had something to tell me, but he couldn't get it out. So I told him to put the officer on the phone and want to let him use the office phone. So the officer got on the phone and said, Lisa, so-and-so just been tested positive for HIV and you need to get tested. And he put my friend back on the phone, and my friend said, well, yeah, they found traces. Now, I was not that educated about HIV and AIDS, but I've heard of it. But I knew one thing, that there is no such thing as finding traces of HIV. It's either you got it or you don't. Right. That let me know that excuse me, he was in denial. And I already knew, okay, it's time for me to go ahead and make my appointment with my doctor. So I went on and made my appointment, and when the results came back a week later, she said, Lisa, the test came back positive. And at that moment, I got quiet, not for too long. I got quiet for a minute. And then the next thing that came out of my mouth, I said, Doctor, if I didn't have the Lord on my side, I would be a nervous wreck. And then I started to cry, and then the doctor even started to cry with me, and I was really amazed that she was crying with me. Because, you know, doctors are not supposed to get that emotional with their own patients. But um, she went on and gave me a name, a number, and an address of an ID doctor. And I went and made that appointment, and the doctor was explaining to me what HIV and what AIDS is and showing me different charts of different medications that I can take in and if it's time for me, you know, when and if it's time for me to take medication. So the nurse came in and she said, Lisa, you can live from this. There are hundreds and hundreds of women out there living, you know, with this virus. And she said, why don't you go ahead and join a women's support group? And at the time I'm like, I don't want to join a women's support group. I don't want to be telling strangers, you know, how I got this virus. But God said, go anyway. So I went to one called Jules, and I noticed that they was all sitting around in a circle, and they was telling their testimony. And I was like, wow, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. So I went on and joined in, and I started telling my testimony. And from then on, I've been telling my testimony since um, 2003. So I think um, I read, uh, I mean, I want you to tell your testimony. Well, like, how, what would you have said? Like, what, what's the story? And I also want you to include the importance, because I read about how you talk about um, you considered yourself someone who used condoms most of the time slash sometimes mm-hmm. and how and how important that is to, right. to you know, not to eliminate the, the concept of sometimes. Um, and right, exactly. Is. Well, basically, when I tell my story, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm on the speaker's grill for Aid Atlanta here in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I go to different, you know, schools like middle schools and high schools and colleges, I let them know, you know, how I contracted the virus and just let the students know that, 
you know, HIV and AIDS does not discriminate. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter. And I just basically tell the youth that you have to protect yourself. You know, someone can have HIV or AIDS for 10 years and don't even know it. And, you know, I talk to them and tell them to stay abstinent and things of that nature. And I realized that for me, when I first met this guy, I started using condoms. And then all of a sudden, you know, we just got so comfortable with each other, we just stopped using condoms. And I wasn't thinking of the consequences of what would happen if I stopped using condoms because I realized that whatever the man, when you know, whatever the men have inside of them, when they ejaculate in you, you're getting everything what that man has. And I wasn't thinking about that. I was just being, you know, naive and, and selfish and wasn't thinking about my own health. And and I just, I really do. I enjoy going out speaking to people. And a lot of people say, Lisa, how can you just go out and tell people you're positive? First of all, there's no shame in my game. I'm not here to glorify what I have. I'm here to educate the community. I'm here to educate the world that it could be you. Look in the mirror. It could be you. And God is the one that's getting me through this to continue going out doing his will to help educate this world because they need to hear it. You know, I used to think that nothing is going to happen to them. You know, we used to be teenagers. We thought we was bad and this and that, nothing had ever happened to us. But I'm here to just let them know it could happen to you. And not only HIV is what you have to worry about, you have to worry about other STDs and STIs that's in the world. Definitely, definitely. Right. Very true. You know, one one of the things that really stuck out to me, Lisa, when I was reading your um, your testimony on your site is that after you were diagnosed, shortly after that, a couple, I believe it was a couple of days, you sat your sons down, and yeah. they were seven and fourteen years old, and you had like some really honorable as as a parent and as a person living with HIV to have this conversation with your children who were seven and fourteen. I think it, the conversation yeah. that you had is something that parents are so afraid to have. And it's yeah. so important yeah. that you, they have those conversations because, you know, kids at 7 and 14, I mean, it's, it's a shame, but they're out there experimenting. So can you tell us a little bit about that com- those conversations you had? Well, basically, like my 7-year-old, he was living with me, and my other child, he was living in Florida with his dad. So I just I sat my 7-year-old down and explained to him what HIV is and I let them know that I have it. And, of course, you know, at seven years old, they really, really don't understand yet because that's, like, deep, you know, really deep for a seven-year-old to comprehend, okay, what is HIV? What do you mean? So I just broke it down to, to them and told them, you know, that it kills your immune system and your T cells in your body to help, you know, fight off different viruses and stuff that try and come in. And then the next thing you know, when I was, when I told him, I was working for a company called Sister Love, Inc., and they teach women about their sexual rights, human rights, and reproductive rights as it relates to being HIV positive. And they also have this program called it's the educational side where they go out and they teach uh, women and men how to put on condoms. And I'm like, okay, well, I know that young children, even as young as seven, is having sex. So I said, let me go ahead and teach my son how to put on a condom. And with the dildos, the props that we had at Sister Love, 
me and my boss sat down and talked to him and showed him how to put on a condom. Now, I already know that my son at the time was not having sex, and I know now he's still not having sex, but it was very, very important for me to teach him at a young age so he would never forget. It's never, I'm going to tell you, to me, I think it's never too early to show a child the proper way to do things. And especially now as far as sex and and all the different diseases that's going around, why not teach my 7-year-old how to put on a condom? So when he's ready to go ahead and have sex, he'll be prepared and know what to do. And, you know, I just told my my 17-year-old over the phone, because like I said, he lived in Florida, and he already understood what HIV and AIDS um, is because, you know, he was in school and they were teaching him about that, you know, in health classes. And, you know, they, they just, you know, they're proud of their mom. They really are. They're proud, and also my other family members, they give me support. They're proud of me, of what I do. Well, and I think that's a really important point. Well, first of all, congratulations for doing that. That's very a brave thing, an important thing to do. Um, but I also, I always like to say on the show, you know, I think when you reach out to some, someone and someone that loves you and cares about you and tell, and tell them this important part about you, how much support you get back is really unbelievable. And I think that benef- I think there's a lot of people that are feeling very solitary, living with HIV, are scared to tell people, um, are yeah. afraid of people's reaction. And I always, I always, I mean, there may, it, it may be true, there may be some people that, that fall by the wayside and leave you behind, but I think in general, for the most part, the, the support that you get back in return it far, yeah. exceeds, far exceeds anything that you give out. Yes, it does. It, it really does. And it, it, I realize that it humbles me, and when I go out and speak, it also, that's counseling for me. So I realize that's how I'm able to get out and speak. I'm counseling myself exactly. and learning not to be around stress. I have to learn how not to be so stressful in, in, in situations like this because this, this is an epidemic, and it needs to be stopped. And I just tell you the truth, I praise God for giving me the strength, the knowledge, the courage, and the wisdom to do this, to go out and try our best to help our community. Right on. Testify, girl, testify. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love it. And then also on top of that, and it's so funny because, Back in the day, before I even, you know, was HIV positive, my goal in life is to be a professional recording artist. So when I when I go and speak, I open up and I um I, I let the children know that my goal in life is to be a professional recording artist. And I tell them I sing R&B, jazz, and gospel. And they'd be like, wow, for real? And then I show them the magazine I was in, in the Essence magazine, December 2006 edition, and then also I show them the magazine, the New York Times newspaper, June 5, 2006 edition, and they think, you know, I'm like this superstar. But I hurry up and tell them, I'm not in there for the glitz and glory and glamour. I'm in there to educate you about HIV because I'm HIV positive. But after everything is all said and done when I speak to them, they always, you know, they write down questions, they ask me questions and stuff like that. They always ask me to sing, and I always sing for them. And the song that I sing is actually a gospel song called I Know I've Been Changed. And every time I sing, they always give me a standing ovation, and I just love it. It makes me feel so good that I was able to help someone. 
Well, no, I think that's a really, a really great point that, um, you know, speaking about it, every time I do it and every time we all do it and we do it frequently, it's like <laughs> it's therapy for yourself all over again. And, you know, every time yeah, I think it's like with anything, when you teach or try to teach or try to give advice, you're giving it back to yourself. That's right. That's right. And, you know, another thing, I didn't realize that this is a ministry that we are doing. I didn't realize that until I went to this one church and I stood up and told them my testimony. And that was the first time I actually stood up in front of a crowd of people and told them I'm positive. And when I told them that, I'm like, I don't care if if you don't want to sit with me, eat with me, talk with me, you know, and stuff like that. I'm not here for you. I'm here for God and doing his will. And the, the pastor came up to me and he said, Lisa, do you know what you just done? I said, no, not really, just told my story. He was like, you have opened up the doors for other people to come forward and not be afraid to tell that they are HIV positive. And I was like, wow. And he said that was a ministry that I'm doing. That's awesome. I have a question here in the chat room from Michael. He says, "Uh, Lisa, have you ever had a situation arise where the people that you speak to um, say that condoms are not important and how do you react to that? And then I guess what he's saying is that he – He's experiencing people who think that they don't need to use condoms when they're in a long-term relationship, and then the, the, those people get cheated on, and then they are contracted. So he wants to know how you deal with people who say that to you. Well, I mean, to each their own. If you don't want to use a condom, that's on you. You know, you already know that you're taking a chance of catching something. But I just encourage them to use a condom. If you're going to have sex, protect yourself. And that's just the bottom line. If someone comes to me and say, well, I don't use condoms, I don't like it, I can't feel her, or she can't feel me, then that's on you. You have to worry about what's going to happen to you if you catch something. The other thing I think that you made an interesting point is, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of people don't know that they have HIV, but there's also the whole, you know, unfortunately there's a whole group of people who, may know but aren't being honest because they're trying to get something from you and they, you know, they're just thinking of being in that, the moment. And so, like you said, again, it's only you, the impetus to protect yourself is only on you. You're the only person that can do it. You know, right. you may, right. your partner may know or may not know or may be telling the truth or may unfortunately be lying or people cheat on mm-hmm. each other and all that mm-hmm. stuff happens. So, Yeah, I on that note, as far as, people knowing that they're positive and not telling people, I understand that once you're diagnosed with HIV, whoever you want to engage yourself with sexually, you have to let them know that you're positive because that gives them the the decision to decide if they want to be involved with you. That's their right to decide if they want to be involved with you because it's a a risk that they're taking. You know, even if you use a condom, it's still a risk because the condom could come off. The condom could break. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a living witness of that. Um, As of today, I have a three-year-old little girl, not from the guy who I contracted the virus from, but from my husband now. We've been together five years. We've been married one year. And when I first met him, I told him right off the rip that I'm HIV positive. And he said he would treat as if I had diabetes or cancer. He already knew that the risk that he was taking and he knew that he had to protect himself. And unfortunately, the one time when we was having sex, the condom came off, it got stuck inside of me, and that's how I wind up getting pregnant. 
So like I said, it's very important for you to let people know that you are HIV positive because you're giving them the choice to decide if they want to be involved with somebody that's HIV positive. And and thank God today my little girl, she is negative, and my husband is negative. Good. That's great. Now, um, the other um, – to, to your point, I also want to say, you know, to anyone – yeah, it's great in a perfect world that everyone should disclose their HIV-positive status. If you are protecting yourself, you should just assume that everyone's HIV-positive because not everyone is going to be as forthcoming as, as we would all love. And, and for, because of the stigma and because there's such a negative response, a lot of times right. you know, people aren't as, as forthcoming with that information as they should be. So everyone right. who, who is engaging in any sort of risky behavior should be protecting themselves assuming that the other person is positive, assuming that there's a whole host of things that could go on. So just the bottom line is protect yourself. That's right. And, you know, that's not the only thing that people have to worry themselves about. They have to worry or, about getting the other STDs, gonorrhea, syphilis, you know, all that stuff. And yeah, the girls totally. have to worry about not just that, but also getting pregnant. And, you right. know, nowadays these teenagers, it's on the rise. The statistics say that the age of 13 to 25 is the newly diagnosed cases that's coming out, and that's that's just it's awful. Right. I, I Robert, do you have a question? I have a question that's sort of just switching topics a little bit. Okay, uh, that's fine. Go ahead. I was just curious that since you mentioned that you have your three-year-old, um, what? I'm not really familiar on what precautions they take. I know they do certain things for women that are HIV positive that are pregnant to ensure that their babies don't become positive. Can you talk a little, little bit about that? Okay. Well, when I um, told my doctor, well, when my doctor told me that I was pregnant, she told me, she said, if I take my meds after my first trimester, then nine times out of ten the baby will come out negative. And so it was my choice if I wanted to take HIV meds, you know, while I'm pregnant to prevent my baby from being positive. It took me a while to decide what I wanted to do, but then eventually I went on and said, hey, I don't want to bring a baby into this world positive. So I went on and started taking my meds. And going through that process and learning about being HIV positive and pregnant I understand that the women, the mother's antibody is inside of the baby. When the baby is born, they test the baby. Particularly my baby, she came up positive because of my antibody that was in her. Right. So after the baby is about 18 months old, that's when all of the antibodies of the mother is out of the baby, and they do a separate test called the Western block where they test the baby's antibodies. And when they test the baby's antibodies, it shows them are they really positive or are they really negative. And when they took those last two tests, it came back negative. And I told the doctor, I said, are you sure, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. I said, well, doctor, can you please take one more test? So uh -huh. he took one more test, and he even gave me the paperwork and, and said, she's negative, she's negative. So that's why I have a testimony to go out and tell that, you can be HIV positive, and you can have a healthy baby, but everybody's body is different. Now, did they and did your did the the did your daughter have to take any medication after she was born, or not at all? Yes, she did. She did have to take some liquid medications. I can't even remember the name of it now, 
but she did have to take liquid medication up until she was like a year old, okay. and then that's when I that's when they told me she didn't have to take it anymore. And then when she was like got up to eighteen months old, that's when they started testing her her antibodies alone and realized that she's actually negative. So yeah, she did have to have medication at first, but not okay. anymore. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, I just want to uh, just jump back a little bit um, on one thing. I, I just popped up in my head, and I forgot to talk to you about it earlier. When after you were diagnosed, and um, you know, you, you split away from your ex, and you went through. Obviously, you must have went through this stage where you were single. How did you feel like you were never going to find love again? You were never going to be able to be in a relationship, find a husband. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I went through that stage of like, wow, nobody's going to want me. I'm contaminated and things of that nature. But then I just I just realized, okay, I just have to pray about this, and I can't worry myself about it. And I just prayed, and I just let go and let God handle everything. And right before I met my husband, I was rejected a couple of times, but I realized, okay, if you can't deal with rejection, then you can't deal with the world. And so ever since then, you know, when I met him, it was on and popping from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. No, that's because a lot of people go through that, you know, that feeling of they're they're going to be alone for the rest of their life. So when you when you found him and and when you disclosed that and and he was like okay with that, what was that feeling like? Like what was going through? Like was it like fireworks going off because you you didn't think that you were going to to find that love again? I was I was very shocked, and I was asking myself and asking him why. You know, why would you want to be with someone like me that's infected? And, you know, he basically said everybody needs love, and I know what I have to do. I have to protect myself, and it just went on from there. That's right. Everybody needs love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's great. That's really great because it gives us a lot of people hope to hear that, that they're able to, you know, form a relationship with somebody and possibly move on, you know, after a diagnosis, because that's a really important step that a lot of people um, have issues with. Yeah, that's true. And it's, and it's like I've met several people who still, as of today, they cannot tell nobody, at least their family members or even their sexual partners, they cannot tell them that they're positive because they still feel ashamed and guilty. And, and I really do believe that it's very important especially for long-term survivors, to tell their testimonies and let them know that it's going to be okay. Don't be ashamed. So what? You're not living for the next person. You're living for God. You're living for yourself. You're living for, you know what I'm saying? If you got kids, you're living for your kids. You have to be strong for your kids. And you have to really think about the mental aspects of a person being newly diagnosed with this virus or any other disease. You have to think really? about that. I know you mentioned earlier that your your kids and your husband were really supportive, but how is your 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 other family members? Are, are they as supportive as well when you first were diagnosed? Yes, they are. I told my I have three sisters. I told my sisters, and then I told my mom, and you know they were shocked, you know, because I was looking dead at them at the face to see how their face reaction was going to be, and they just hugged me and embraced me. And my mom, you know, at the time she was a retired nurse from Grady Hospital down here in Atlanta, and she started saying, okay, well, now you need to start taking these vitamins, and you need to start taking these minerals and, and take care of yourself and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. So they were very, very caring for me. You know, I 
I feel sorry for the other, well, not really sorry, but I really feel for the people who can't come to their family members and tell them because a lot of people are, you know, shine people away. They don't even want them to be around. They don't want to shake their hands or anything like that. So, but, yes, my family is, is very supportive. And now since I have this, my first HIV AIDS radio show, they are really, really supportive of me. And they're like, we are so proud of you, Lisa, for being bold and going out and telling your testimony to help the community. You know, and I really want to point out that um, obviously, you know, you keep referencing your belief in God and um, praying, and, and, and I think it's really great that to see a very religious person coming from a religious community um, getting the support. Because oftentimes, it, you know, we associate the, the religious right and the very conservative people being very judgmental and not accepting people. And, you know, you hear like, oh, it's, it's HIV is punishment from God and, and all that, mm-hmm. you know, BS. <laughs> so I just think it's really great to hear another perspective where you're like, no, I think, you know, it's a lesson that I that maybe has been given to me and um, I'm, I know I'm doing a lot of good and I think that's a great, it's a great um, contrasting point of view. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I mean, I just I give it all to him. He's the one that's getting me through this, you know. And a lot of people, when we talk about T cell counts and viral loads, and I realize that at a certain point, when your T cell starts dropping, that you have to get on medication. Fortunately for me, the only time that I took medication is when I was pregnant with my little girl. As of today, I don't have to take any meds. I haven't took them in three years, you know, since she was born. And my T-cell count, the last time I checked, which was three months ago, my T-cell count was 1,142. And it had dropped from, like, 1,000 to 700, and then it went back up from 700 to 1,142. And when the doctor told me this, I was like, wow, thank you, Jesus. You know, I was just... Amazed, and I noticed like when I was going to the women's support group, I noticed there were some women that were a little jealous of me that I didn't have to take any meds and that my T cell count was high, but I just I just let it go. <laughs> let go and let God handle everything. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the way to be jealous of. It's really you know every every single person is different and everyone reacts different to medication and exactly. you know everyone's everyone's immune system's different. People have different viruses. It's like best to leave. Right, right. That is crazy. So, um, tell us a little bit about, um, a little bit more detail about your radio show. Uh, some topics that you may have uh, spoke about, or some guests that you may have had on. Okay. So you can come check that well, out right in your, um, in your archive somewhere. Okay. Um, well, basically, I have um, people around here so far um, that are, that are HIV positive, and people who are you know, are working with AIDS organizations to come on and tell their testimony, tell why they get involved. Uh, William Francis is one person um, I spoke with. Uh, Lana Taylor is another one. And Lana Taylor, she is, she was also featured in the Essence magazine the month before mine, and they title her as the grandmother that's HIV positive. She is a very spiritual, has a lot of wisdom, and I truly, truly respect her for coming out. She's been doing it for a long time. Um, I had another lady named Donna Tate who came out and spoke. Also had um, Reginald Smith and his wife, Dion, that comes out and speak. 
And recently, last Tuesday, I had the topic of ten the ten top reasons what African American women need to know about being HIV positive. So that was pretty cool, and I actually did that one by myself. And the other ones, I've had a co-host to come on the show, but right now I have no co-host. We um, finally went our separate ways as of last week. So that's basically who I have. I have people to come on and just tell their personal story of, you know, them being infected or affected of HIV and AIDS. And um, I will be having um, the DeKalb County Health Department coming out uh, next month talking about the education part of HIV and the different treatments and things that they do and things of that nature. So you can look on um, you can look on my website and I have announcements of all the different people and organizations that's going to be coming on my show. Great. Well, what, what we're uh, just out of curiosity, what were some of the ten reasons that you spoke to about the for African American women about HIV? Well, okay. Um, let me see if I can remember. Um, you one of them is like it's not a quiz. You don't have to remember all ten. <laughs> I would say one of them I know is is definitely make sure you get a doctor. You make sure once you find out that you're HIV positive that you get a doctor and you stay with that doctor. And I'm talking about an ID doctor, which you know stands for infectious disease, because a lot of people don't know what ID stands for. But you have to stay on with your doctor and make sure you're getting taken care of. If you have some mental issues going on, make sure you see a mental therapist that can help you deal with what you're going through. Um, another thing I had mentioned was there are a lot of resources out there that people can get. You know, usually people who are newly diagnosed, they don't know anything. They don't know where to go and things of that nature, where to get help at, whether it's helping with your rent or you know, just getting a ride to get to your doctor's office. There are lots of resources out there that they have for people who are HIV positive and people who are also not HIV positive. They have someone in their family member that's HIV positive and they need to know, okay, well, how do I deal with this? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a couple of the topics that I, you know, talked about. And also another topic I talked about was making sure that you tell your significant other that you're HIV positive and making sure that you tell it at the right time. Because I know sometimes it just depends on your relationship with another person. They want to know, okay, was it time for me to tell or when is it time? And for me personally, I think you need to tell before you even get started into a relationship. Yeah, I agree. That's very interesting because one of the um – we just started a, a new thing on, on uh, the social network, uh, Pause I Am, uh, Hot Topics. And we just, the first one that we launched last week was uh, when to disclose your HIV positive and how to wow. go about it. So it's kind of been a heated debate, you know, back and forth of who's responsible, when to do it, when not to. But I think uh -huh. uh, one, of the, one of the important points that somebody made is that when you come to terms with being positive, you can, can convey your HIV status with confidence. And then when you do it with confidence, you know, you do it, and you come from a position of strength, and right, and, right. and it comes and it comes over where it's a little bit more acceptable from somebody else when you're coming, when you're talking about it, and you're okay with it. You know what I mean? If you're crying to somebody as you're telling them, it, it's kind of, you know what I mean? It kind of puts them yeah. off. I think it's kind of tough. yeah, yeah. You don't scare them away if you you're doing all that, but 
Yeah, you have to make sure your mind is ready. It's ready to tell someone that you're HIV positive. And then it just depends on the other person, too. If you already know that person's attitude or, you know, his body language, his or her body language, if you feel that it's not time, then it's just not time. But you just got to make sure when it's the right time to tell somebody. Very true. I have a question here in the chat room from Michael. He says, Lisa, do you still talk with your ex? And, and if you do or don't, do you hold any resentment at all? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. That's a good question. Okay, let me tell you. Thank you, Mike, for asking that question. Um, March 19, 2005 was the last time that I spoke with my ex. And, yes, I had some resentment. I was mad the first couple of years. But then I realized, how can I be mad at him when I was the one that also made the decision to have unprotected sex with him? You know, I don't know where he, who he's been with 10 years from then. So it was my responsibility also, you know, to protect myself. Um, as far as now, it's funny, it's so funny that he asked that question yesterday. And I don't, it, 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 I have to tell you, it's God. Yesterday I got this, this, this confirmation. God said, go and find that person who you contracted the virus with, and let him know that you forgive him. And surprisingly enough, I found him yesterday. Mind you, it had been five years. I haven't seen him, spoke to him, and all of a sudden I got this confirmation just to go ahead and find him. And I found him yesterday. And I, I sat down and I talked to him actually at a park, and I let him know that, you know, it's time for me to get this off my shoulder, and God wants me to do this. I have to do this because this is his will. This is I'm doing this for him. I don't want to block my blessings by holding a grudge against you. And I just told him, I said, I forgive you for whatever I went through with you. And he accepted it. That's you, awesome. The, uh, uh, that, that's no, amazing. Go ahead. No, I was going to say real quick, um, it's inter- kind of ironic that you just threw out that date because March 19th is Michael's birthday, the guy who asked the question. Are you serious? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord. Okay, I don't know what the Lord is trying to tell me, but that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is just awesome. I, does Michael have a Facebook? I want to know, does he have a Facebook? I can get in contact with him. That is so funny. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Uh, sorry, Jack. Well, 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 no, I just thought I, I can't actually even remember what I was going to say. Because <laughs> that was just too too crazy of a coincidence. But, um, oh, yeah, I was, I was curious, like, how did he receive that information? Was he Was he cool with it? Are you on good terms? Do you consider yourself friends? Do you just want to say your piece and part ways? Like, what was... How did that go? It it went very well. It really went very well. Um, it went well. I just um, I just knew it was something that I had to do, and either or, however he take it, I had to do, I had to deal with it. You know how he was going to react, but I had to get it off my chest, and that was it. So he took it well. Good, good. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got to do what you wanted to do. Yeah, but I, you know, I also let him know that, you know, I did not find you to get back into a relationship with you. You know, I just had to do this from the bottom of my heart and from 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 God's guidance just to go ahead and get this, you know, off your chest. Well, and I think you brought up an interesting point how you initially had a few a lot of resentment and some and and I think people go to blame very quickly after mm-hmm. their because their diagnosis because they want answers, they want to understand it, they want to control it. They you know, they I think they give them peace of mind and I always try to <clears throat> tell people blame doesn't isn't really it doesn't it's not useful. It's not a useful tool for anything. It may make you feel better in the short term if you can place the blame on someone else, but it doesn't change anything and then, and I think actually it's just it's a negative emotion or it's a negative yes, it's not really is. an emotion, but it's a negative it's a negative tool and it doesn't really serve any purpose. So the farther the sooner you can get away from blaming someone and, and right. um the better off you'll be. Right, you're right. You're you're right about that. You're right about that. So, um, uh, here's a question for you. We have people who are listening live and the people who are listening to this in the archives. They're from all different, you know, parts of the United States, and some of them may be even be out of the United States. Is there anything that is maybe specific in Georgia that is like a pro um, for somebody who's HIV positive? Is there like an organization that you're a part of that maybe is like a really good resource for people in the Atlanta area? Yes, I'm glad you asked that question. Actually, Aid Atlanta um, is a good good um, nonprofit AIDS organization that helps people. Um, they give them, if you, you need a case manager to help you get the things that you need, they have case managers there for you. They also have this, like, um, for, I don't know exactly what it's called, but they have this uh, massage area where if you need to have a body massage, you know, to release some stress and things of that nature, they also have that. Um, they have a lot of other different things with their organization, but Aid Atlanta is a good one, and the number is 404-870-7700, and that's 404-870-7700, Aid Atlanta. And while you're, while you're, Getting all of the, the your plug your plugs in. Where can people um, hear your radio show and what time and all that stuff? Okay, um, well it's down here in Atlanta, Georgia, and it comes on every Tuesday at 3:30 p.m. and it's from 3:30 to 4. And you can listen live on the internet at www.love860.com. Um, you can also call in at 866. Nine two three two eight six zero. That's eight six six nine two three two eight six zero. And if you need to get in contact with me personally, you can get in contact with me through Facebook under Lisa Britt. And also, you can get in contact with me of my email, and that's L I S A Marshall with no A M R S H L L zero eight at aol dot com. That's L-I-S-A-M-R-S-H-L-L-0-8 at AOL.com. And I also have a website. (laughs) What's your website? What's your website? I also have a website. Um, It's called um, www. And this is a long one. www.holyghostinspiredvessel.com. 
101.com. That stands for Holy. That stands for HIV. Holy Ghost H Inspired I Vessel V. That's Holy Ghost Inspired Vessel 101.com. There you go. Well, thank, thank you, you so awesome. much for joining us tonight, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, awesome. Thank you so That's much for pleasure. having me, and I would love to come back on whenever I get a chance to. We'll have you back, have... definitely. And happy Mother's Day to you. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. I see all the roses <laughs> all thrown in my face. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. All right, you, have a, you have a great night, honey. Thank you, y'all, too, you and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, Bye-bye. Lisa. Are you there? Wait, Lisa. Oh. I'm here. I'm here. I had a caller, but they hung up. Uh oh. Well, tell them to get in, get in contact with me through an email. Okay, I'll send right, that over to you. call back. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Good night. All right. She was awesome. Yeah, she was great. Very powerful, uh, like inspiring. Yeah, and I, and like I said, I think it's really great to have. People coming from different perspectives because we, you know, we're both gay guys. We kind of have similar experiences in different ways. And, um, you know, it's nice to have someone who looks at it from a completely different vantage point because there are, you know, obviously people out there listening who don't, you know, aren't us. So. <laughs> who aren't gay men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, tell me about the, um, I know you just had, didn't you just do an event with uh, Jacob the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to mention that because when we were talking about people being nervous on the show, I was talking to him because um, <laughs> I went to his uh, pause event at Vladivar, on which they're having every Thursday night now at Vlada in New York. And he's actually, he's totally personable. And um, it's so funny because he's like, oh, my God, I was so nervous on the radio show. And I'm like, I forget that people get nervous, and, and I was like, dude, he's like, by, but by the end, I was fine, because he was one of those ones where we were talking to, and he'd give, like, the two-word answer, and I was like, dude, come on, like, <laughs> but he's great, he's a great guy. He's yeah, he's event. actually coming to do one here in Philly, um, I'm just waiting for this date to show up, it's actually going to be a Tuesday at Woody's on 13th Street, um, and it premieres May 18th. Yeah, no, he has, like, this, I didn't, I mean, I remember him talking about it on the radio show, and he has some people that help him in each city, but Mm -hmm. he has this crazy commute schedule where he, like, spends two days in New York and then goes to D.C., and then, like, he's doing one in Baltimore. Like, it's crazy, it's crazy, but um, I really applaud what he does because he's, um, you know, he's bringing a lot of people together, so it's great. Yeah, it's always important to have those events because there's a lot, you know, a lot of people go through lonely and not have people to relate. So, um, do you have anything else coming up? Or anything else you want to talk to? We have about five minutes left. Um, uh, I I I didn't prepare. <laughs> Actually, as I was calling in, I'm like, what am I doing? Um, no, I'm doing that thing at the AIDS Walk, so which is this coming Sunday, um, in New York City. So if you see me and you want to talk to me about your organization or what you're doing, I think we're interviewing people before the walk, really early in the morning, like. Eight, I think the walk starts at 9 a.m. or something, and then we're going to stick around until after the walk and interview people for a couple hours, and then they'll edit all that and put it on the logo website. So I'm doing that. Um, I know I'm doing a bunch of stuff with Merck and Living Positive by Design coming up. I'm doing Boston's Gay Pride. I have to ride in a, in a car, like, <laughs> and wave, and I'm like, I'm, oh, God, yeah. I told them, like, I'm like, you need to give me something to throw, like, you know, AIDS, 
bracelets or something because I'm like I cannot wait sit there and wave like a like a Miss USA. It's not gonna happen. So, <laughs> but um, but I have my my website's updated now. So so um, you know if I forgot something, I'll it'll be on there. And they can find that at jackmackandross. It's jackmackandross.com. Yeah, and I'm still obsessed with Twitter. I want more followers. So. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I kind of stopped doing it so much because when I add it to my phone, because now that I can do it mobily, it adds all the Twitter people as contacts, and I don't like that. Oh, it does. Yeah, like when I add my Facebook into, it's the same thing. It makes them all my contacts. Oh, it's really crazy. Yeah, I don't like that. That would that drive me insane. That would drive me insane. <laughs> I'm actually excited because um, coming up in two weeks, on the 16th, I'm going to go and meet um, Sean Decker and, and Glenn. Yes, and by, no, that's what I meant to say, too. I'm sorry I keep monopolizing everything, but he was there. I did. Um, he came on stage in the D.C. event for uh, Whitman Walker, and he and Gwen, um, like, he told a little bit about his story, and um, we did some of the auction items together, and he, he's, he's so great. It's the first time I got to meet him. He's really, really, really groovy, and she's awesome, too. So, um, yeah, just a little plug for Sean Decker. He's great. Yeah, he was just on, um, like, I think last week, actually. <laughs> he was just on last week, and uh, he had his, you know, plans with his band and everything. So I was kind of really excited because I'm actually going to be able to go down. We're going to do one of his um, – I think he calls it the Daily Decker Coffee Run or something like that. I don't know. Uh, We're going to go get some ice mochas. He's in love awesome. with them, so it should be fun. No, it be really, really fun, actually. And now that I think about it, he's not in the chat room anymore. Lauren, I was going to say, um, it would be nice to have him come out since he's in Philly, too, to, to all meet and hang out. But other than that, people, um, I, I do have a recent blog post on. We just had Brandon back on from the ADAP Advocacy Association. Um, we right. had him on last year, and we spoke to him, and I just did a big blog post because I'm a board member there, and we just did this video that's an open letter to President Obama asking him to end the wait um, for ADAP waiting list. Right. Because now it's up to uh, over 1,000 people on the list. I know. It's bad. So, I don't know. Me and, and Justin are trying to work on some stuff together. I don't know. Just, somehow that wait has to end, and there has to be some people to work towards it, I think. so. Right. You know, any uh, new, so other than that, I'm trying to think of what else I was going to ask you because there's something. Oh, oh, anyway, I wanted, to, I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. It was like the first thing I said before I walked in this room that can close the door to do the show. I'm like, Joe, i got to write down that I have to wish Jack a happy birthday. And then we got wrapped up and I totally forgot, so happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. It was a really weird, it was weird. Like, because last year I had such a big party because 40 was such a big milestone and this year I was like 41, and I was actually down in Florida at swim camp, and like I didn't even tell anyone, and I was like, but then it's so weird because with Facebook and everything, I had literally like, like 500 messages in my inbox just saying happy birthday, and I was like actually kind of overwhelming because I was like I feel obligated to write back to all these people, but I I don't even know them, and like I don't know, it was so weird, and um anyway, so it was a weird birthday. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> now I can go back to being 35. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, I guess we are done for the night. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And remember, you can find more information on Jack at jackmackenroth.com and more information on the show and our social network at posim.com. Jack, it was great hanging out with you. And I guess I'll see you in two weeks when we have um, Kimberly Lock on. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited about that. She just sent me her single, so we'll be able to play it on the show. Yahoo! That's really good. Uh, 
All right. Well, you all have a great night, and I will talk to you in two weeks, Jack. All right. Bye, honey. Bye.